Welcome to Art of a Treat 2018, the Parkour Leadership and Education Conference. This year, we're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Hedge. A boring old foreigner with odd ideas, Hedge will soon celebrate his 15th full year of parkour. Not bad for a man who hasn't quite hit 30. In that time, he's embarked on a short academic career before finding his way to parkour coaching. Hedge spends most of his time reading and writing about accessible parkour coaching and running Access Parkour, which seems to be getting very large and out of hand. This is his second year at Art of a Treat, and no one had to twist his arm to get him here. He came of his own free will. I stand by that statement. Give me a quick intro to the talk that you gave. So I really wanted to explore why we teach. And I wanted to not have any assumptions. Mm -hmm. So when we did uh, the talk, we were really kind of asking the very fundamental questions, uh, what the first class experience should look like and why we would go about it. And so the first thing we did is we explored two critiques of education. The first was a neo-Marxist critique. It was um, this uh, exploring education through the eyes of the relationship between oppressors and the oppressed, which in this case was the teachers and the students or just any person in an authority position. Okay, that's an interesting way to look at that dichotomy of the two the two roles. It is. Um, one of the things that neo-Marxists often complain about when they think about education is they're complaining that teachers are just banking facts into students' heads. They're not thinking about the student's experience, the student's ability to develop critical skills. Instead, what they're doing is they're just putting facts into the student's heads. The students then take exams about those facts, and the student who has the most facts is the smartest student. It's not quite correct but it's it's a good platform to have the discussion about because it's a really bad way of educating in that it doesn't really help them develop anything and so when you look at it through that um, process you understand what education should be about which is creating people who are able to have self-critical awareness who are able to question things who are able to uh, understand systems and because we've got that system and that idea we can then begin saying okay how do we create those people and the second idea we wanted to explore and we looked at it which we, i thought was a really good uh, mirror for that was a libertarian viewpoint and by libertarian i really wanted to say well um what is the danger of interventionalism what is intervention intervention is teaching mm-hmm. do we have to intervene uh, when, and right. when so the question is how much of teaching is naive interventionalism? Uh, and what does it look like when you don't teach? And what do children behave like when you don't teach? And the answer is really obvious. They play. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it and you think about it in those terms, you understand just how important and how natural play is. And play is a form of educating. Play is the form that children use to educate themselves. Naturally, right. And so when should we intervene? How much should we intervene? And when should we not? And with those ideas in our head, we then actually looked at what was going on in the real classrooms, what education theory was telling us worked and what didn't work. And that really gives a, a very complicated picture because the Marxists tell us they w- we want to create these critical people. The libertarians tell us we want to, wherever possible, facilitate play and we want to be careful not to intervene unless necessary. Right, don't railroad them. Right. Yeah, and it's giving us this concept of what good education should look like. But if you go into what happens in a classroom, what teaching actually does, you discover that it's not that simple. If you try and teach higher concepts to students who have no basic understanding of things, they don't grasp them. 
but the process of helping them become aware of how to critically analyze things, become aware of how to do uh, problem solving, there are ways to develop those things. And a lot of them turn out to be maybe not what you expect. They end up being yeah, periods of say, explicit instruction. What's one thing that really jumped out as like uh, something you uncover when you look at it with this new tool set, this new way of thinking about education? Something surprising that you uncover? Probably the most surprising thing is the most effective way of teaching is very explicit instruction or rote learning, mm. which... Which is in, the opposite of what of most what, instructors want to do because they feel that that would be boring? Is that Because it sounds like the banking method, because mm -hmm. it sounds like naive interventionalism, because it sounds like fact. Mm. But it works really, really well. But the fact is that just because you spend five minutes of your one-hour class doing very, very explicit instruction doesn't mean the whole class has to be very explicit. Mm, true, right. And by doing it up front, making sure everyone's on board, making sure everyone understands what's going on in the classroom, setting up your queuing properly, you can then move into what teachers want to teach, which is the problem solving, the development, the complicated environments, really quickly. Mm -hmm. But if you ignore that explicit instruction phase, you don't end up in a position where you can do all of those things. Right, so what happens? Like, So well, give me an example of what happens if I don't begin that way. Students don't grasp the concept. One of the really interesting things that can happen is students can muddle their way through the whole class and not pick up or take away anything from it. Ooh, come back next time with a blank slate again. Mm. Yeah, and um, especially if students find the environment really nerve-wracking. So if you have a situation where someone is really nervous because they've turned up to the first parkour class and you teach them a step-through and you teach them how brilliant a step-through is for any situation ever or how great and complicated landing is and how you can use it for all these different things, mm -hmm. they come back and they've forgotten how to do it. But if you set, set up this very explicit instruction, you give them three cues, you make sure they have the takeaways of the cues, you make them run it and do it, and you make sure it works perfectly and they know what they're doing. Maybe that's all they take away, but that's enough for them to begin building a deeper understanding. Mm. So that's kind of why we have to go through that process. And so that, I think for me, the major takeaway from what we did was always question what you're doing in a classroom, but... Don't be naive to think just because uh, an argument sounds rational and good means that it's the most effective way through your job. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, can you flip that around for me? So can you make that takeaway into something that we can ask the listeners to do? So can we turn that into a question that they can use to self-assess as the coaches? The takeaway I want to give to people and the question I want them to ask themselves is which parts of my class are actually effective and which parts of my class am I doing out of habit? Great. Thanks, Hedge. Um, Hedge is one of 24 presenters this year, so please be sure to check back to hear more. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you.